are painting the other two walls bluish white. They're lined with bookshelves and a modern mirrored dressing table. On the shelves, the books reflect my profession. Principles of Marine Biology, Introductory Oceanography, and more intriguing titles. The Soul of an Octopus, Spirals in Time, The Secret Life and Curious Afterlife of Seashells. There's a binder with a printed label on the front. Kara Winthrop, Instructor, Intertitle Invertebrates. On the pages inside, I jotted notes for my lectures in bold strokes. Unlike my writing now, which trembles across the page, shaky and insecure. But I was once confident. My self-assurance shines out from a wedding photo on the shelf. I'm dancing with Jacob at the reception. My shimmering white gown fans out around me. I'm grinning in pure delight. Jacob looks impossibly dashing in his tailored tuxedo, his features rough-hewn. The way we gaze at each other makes my heart ache. He must be lonely, lying awake in the guest room down the hall, hoping I'll climb into bed with him. But I need to get to know him again, to get to know myself. I tear my gaze from the picture and search through my dresser drawers for a more comfortable pair of sweats. I don't recognize any of my clothes, all in muted twilight colors. I pull out an unfamiliar gray cowl-necked sweater, the kind my best friend, Linny Strawback, would wear. We often shopped in vintage boutiques together. I see her whipping a sweater off a hanger and pressing it against me. Perfect, she says in my mind. She has an eye for fashion. If only Linny would return from Russia. She flew back to spend a week with me in the hospital before she had to return to work. I barely remember her there. I feel like I still need her support, her memories of the last few years. But she's pursuing her passion, studying orcas in a race to protect the species. She emails me when she can get to a computer but her brief messages pale in comparison to her presence in person. I miss her dramatic stories, her impulsive nature, and her propensity to choose my clothes. She would not approve of these baggy blue sweats. They hang loosely on my body, but they're comfortable. The act of putting them on requires concentration. When I get dressed, my fingers still fumble with strings, buttons, and zippers. I take the business card from my pajama pocket, run my finger along the embossed letters. Sylvia LaCrosse, licensed clinical social worker. Her address is 11 Waterfront Road, Suite B, five miles south of here. I could ride my bicycle. I tuck her card under a t-shirt in my top drawer, and I go out to the living room, which opens into a dining room and kitchen. Everything is made of salvaged wood and river rock, from the floors to the ceiling beams. Bay windows offer panoramic views of the sea. I imagine Jacob as a child, laughing by the wood stove with his parents, when the house looked radically different inside, bare bones and furnished for the late 1970s. He was probably handsome even as a child, charming the socks off the grown-ups. Maybe he already had plans to become rich like his father, but not from an inheritance. He prides himself on being a self-made man. He's in the living room, making a fire. 
We rely on the wood stove for heat. He has put on socks and slippers, and his t-shirt is no longer inside out. He's carefully choosing firewood from the bin and making a perfect triangle of cut logs. In the kitchen, I open the cabinet and choose a multicolored ceramic mug, squished on one side, as if it got skewed on the pottery wheel. Jacob says I chose the mugs at the Fremont Sunday Market in Seattle. I wish I could remember strolling the aisles with him, buying produce, ceramics, and locally made honey. He adds three tablespoons of honey to his coffee every morning, the only vice of an otherwise health-obsessed man. I pour myself coffee and sit cross-legged on the couch, savoring the robust flavor of freshly ground beans. The pungent aroma fills me with nostalgia for what? The answer eludes me. What were you and Nancy talking about?